To be an effective salesperson, you need to be seen as a respected resource for your clients. The way to do that is to establish relationships built on trust, like over a cup of coffee with a good friend. So, let's drink coffee and make friends. It's what salespeople do. Welcome to the Drink Coffee, Make Friends podcast. I am the host of the show, Mark Roberts, and I'm joined, of course, by Tom Coates, the director of the MTSU Center for Professional Selling here on the campus of Middle Tennessee State University. How are you, Tom? I'm excited to get back. Yeah, it's like, so cool. Yeah, we've been gone for a while. We have, and then we had the Snowmageddon, which was awful. Yeah, the poor people that might be listening up in the northern states are probably thinking, Snowmageddon, you guys are pikers. Yeah, anything more than two inches, no. Yeah, it shuts everything down here in Middle Tennessee. So we are going to dive into season two of uh, our series. And uh, tell us, what are we going to be talking about today, Tom? So I just want to remind everybody about the the sales conversation. So I thought that what we would do with starting this pitch this season is just a, a review of the sales conversation from beginning to end. Now, we're what we're not discussing right now is all the incredible amount of work that you have to do to earn the right to sit down at the desk to hold the conversation. But let's just talk about that conversation. Mm -hmm. And and Mark, when I teach it in my class, I I, I typically break it down into these segments, the approach, the discovery, and then the presentation and the close. Now, the approach... I tell my students is just more or less just hello with a purpose. And I, I tell them that, yeah, you know, this is nothing more than what you normally do as a human being. You tell people, hello, it's great meeting you. Yeah, you know, thank you for your time. You, you might want to check to make sure that the, you still have that amount of time remaining. But then we do ask as salespeople a couple of weird questions. Okay. One is, you know, should... Well, first off, let's back up. We, we make a statement, and then we ask a couple of questions. Okay. Now, the statement that we make is a purpose statement. So, Mark, you know, as well as I do, every meeting should have a purpose statement. Correct. So, for the rest of your life, if you've not done purpose statements before meetings, start now. So, it was like an agenda for the conversation. It totally is. Because you have to remember that that, that person that you're meeting, that per- business person that you're meeting with, They've had other things happening in their life since they made the appointment. So they're not which might have been two or three weeks ago, yeah, and they're not even thinking about you necessarily. They're thinking about the fact that how long is this going to take? Because I got other things to do. Exactly. So the purpose statement redirects and focus on the topic of that meeting. It also allows you to validate to make sure that you're on the same page that they are. Hmm. Yeah. Imagine sitting at a committee meeting and. All of a sudden, they start the meeting, and you have no idea what it's about. Mm-hmm. I've been there before. Mm-hmm. A purpose statement helps everybody know what's going on. So I've been in those kind of meetings. Yeah, no joke. So let's avoid that. So in a sales call, let's start with a purpose meeting. Hey, the purpose of my meeting today, thank you for taking the time, is to, to discuss this topic. Mm-hmm. And then you follow that up with, Based on that, should anybody else, should we include anyone else in this conversation? You know, let's just take a second. Why is that so important? First, remind us, because we talked about that. Yeah, we did, but I want to make sure to to get it right on on Mm -hmm. the 
beginning of this season. But that's really a, an important question. It's crucial because you could waste a lot of time with very nice people that do you no good whatsoever. Mm-hmm. If you're not talking to the right person, the right decision maker, you're wasting their time and more importantly, you're wasting your time. Right. So you, you ask, should anyone else be part of this? And hopefully they'll tell you the truth and say, no, it's I, I've got this. Mm-hmm. Fantastic. Or they may say, Actually, I probably shouldn't include Mark in all this. Mm-hmm. And that actually might be a good buying sign. Yeah. Because it means they're serious. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. So you ask that question. And then you follow up with, also, do you have any, do you have any additional goals? Now, what you, would you add to this? Always ask that question because they may have been doing their research on you and your company. You may have an offering that, you didn't know that they needed. And if you don't ask that question, my friends, you leave money on the table. I am allergic to leaving money on the table. <laughs> it's not good for hair growth. Oh, my goodness. No, it's awful. <laughs> Said by two bald guys. Yeah, between leaving money on the table and paying taxes, that's, that's a terrible <laughs> day. So let's avoid both of those. Mm-hmm. All right, so that's our approach. In the middle of that approach, we have to find time to build a little bit of rapport. Okay, so there's two ways that the primary ways that you can build rapport during this this approach portion of it. One is you can acknowledge the referral that got you in the door. Hey, you know my friend Mark Roberts uh, introduced us just to remind you of that. How do you know Mark? Mm-hmm. Yeah, do you know any secrets that I could giggle about? <laughs> the other way would be research that you've done on them or their company and share those things and say, hey, congratulations on your new building, your new yep. whatever. So just to kind of acknowledge them. Uh, the, some people would look around the, the office and like they might see a a, a poster or something or or a bunch of NASCAR stuff and mention NASCAR. That's 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 perfectly fine. Yeah, as long as it's genuine interest. If you're faking it, it's going to show. Yep, absolutely. All right, so now we've done the approach that included a little bit of rapport, not too much, because you got business to do. Don't waste their time. They included a purpose statement, asking, verifying that you had the right amount of time, the right person, and see if there's any additional goals. So we're there so far. Then you transition into the discovery portion of the, the conversation. You go, well, that's fantastic. Hey, do you mind if I ask you a few questions? So there's a transition. I teach spin selling to my students. You do whatever discovery process that you like that works best for you. There's, there's thousands. As many discovery processes as there are fishes in the sea, there's so many. So for the person that might be listening here, let's just spin the four words are. Right. Situation questions, problem questions, implication questions, and then the needs payoff. Okay. And we, now, did, uh, we talked about that last season. We looked did. those up. And, it's, and, and I think I'll probably share the, the thought that if this one is just plain Jane, very simple, straightforward. If it was a flavor of ice cream, it would be vanilla. Exactly. Okay. So you begin with just asking just some background information that that you need to know. So it's called situation questions. So you ask very open-ended questions about, hey, you know, can you tell me a little bit more about your department? Mm-hmm. I've done my research, but I'd love to hear your thoughts on it. It's kind of like the as-is situation. Correct. Mm-hmm. 
And then if there's things that, that you know that you need to verify, then you ask that closed-ended follow-up situation question. Go, hey, do you still have this number of whatever? So that would be a closed-ended question, meaning you're going to get an answer rather than a story. Are we on the same deadline that we were last time, end of month? Correct. Mm-hmm. So it comes open-ended, gives you a story, closed-ended, either confirms or denies facts that you think you already know. Then you start asking problem questions. The problem questions are going to be based on your experience with the organization and, and your experience in the industry. But you ask a problem that will help you, a question that will help you uncover a problem. Have you guys had uh, difficulties you know, delivering with this? You have something based on your experience. You could ask that and ask it open-ended. Tell me about how you handle this. Okay, so they're going to give you an open-ended story about that problem that they have. You follow that problem question up with an implication question. What does that mean? means I want, I want you to channel your Southern friends. Because Southerners, we are the nosiest people on the planet of the earth, and we want to know all your dirt, and we want to know everything. So channel that, your internal Southern, and find out what happened next. Mm-hmm. You know, you, we want to know the bad thing that happened because of the problem. And that just gives us so much joy for some reason. <laughs> So you have a problem question, follow that up with the implication that what happened next, and then ask another problem question with another implication question. You get two or three of those, and while you're gathering these, you write it down on a a piece of paper. I like using actual paper. Uh, the reason why I like doing that is people will notice that you're writing things and they're curious about what you're writing, okay? And so that that lets them know that you feel like the conversation is important. Yeah, it's almost, I keep going back to the doctor thing, but if they're not taking notes while I'm talking, then I'm thinking they're not paying attention. Ah, no it's, joke. It's like they've already made the decision. They're going to try and sell me something. They already know, oh, I got widget A, and they're not they're not paying attention to my pain. Yeah. Or we were at a, a local restaurant uh, about a month ago, and the server took no notes whatsoever. And uh, he walked away, and my wife looked at me and goes, this is going to be interesting. <laughs> Let's see. Let's see if you get the soup that you order or the salad that you didn't. Right? Oh, it was a dismal failure. It was hysterical. It was, it was entertaining. All right, so uh, you get those, and then you look at the, um, your prospect, and you go, yeah, Mark, I, I think that we could help with this if you'd like to know how. And that's a needs payoff question. Uh, if you'd like to know how, well, of course, but that's the invitation to go ahead and make your pitch. It t- totally is. Uh, now, technically, there's very elaborate and, and beautiful needs payoff questions that you could develop and all this jazz. I'm more straightforward. I'm not elegant that way. I'd rather just ask that question. Yeah. Yeah, I'm, I don't need the fluff. I just need to get it done. All right, so, of course, they're going to say yes. I'd love to know how. At that point, we take out, if you have a sales slick with you, fantastic. If not, just talk about it. But you take a feature of your product or service 
and apply that feature to their problems. And then you get to tell stories of how that feature would solve their problem. And it's best if you can use an example of a, another client that had utilized that feature to solve a very similar problem. Now, why, now why is that so important? Because that way the pro- prospect can project themselves into that solution. For them, it ought to work for me. Exactly. Who says so besides you is one of the questions that's in the back of everybody's mind. Oh. I know you've got a vested interest in this, but who says so besides you? Right. Exactly so. And the, the important thing is you need to make sure that when you tell the story that the client is the hero of the story. Amen. You're just the guide along the way. You're just helping. You're not the bright shiny in the front. You're not the person in front of the band holding the baton and, and doing all the marching. You're the person sweeping up the, the elephant poop behind the parade. Exactly right. That's your job. All right. The other person the hero, and you will be the hero at your office. All day long. Mm-hmm. All right, so we, we attach a feature to a problem, tell the story of how that feature could solve that problem, and go, hey, would that work here too? Now, I've got a question that might come up in the minds of some people mm-hmm. who are listening. Yeah. Okay? Do you lead with your first feature that's the most important to what they're solving, or do you save that for the last? So you're giving them two or three features and benefits to them, and then you say, but most of all, this is going to do this, or do you do it the other way around? What would be your recommendation? You know, it's really interesting. You could do it chronologically, the way that you uncover them. Okay. Or you could do it from as importance. Okay. So yeah. it's not necessarily one approach better than there another. There never okay. is. There never is. And sometimes what you also need to do is just give an overview as well of your services. So that way their problems may hit this and that, but your your product or service may be a more holistic approach that they need to understand that, that it's not a, you know, a la carte situation, but it is a holistic solution. And that actually could be a, a distinguishing feature for you that sets you apart from the competition if you're able to say, look, we, we do this, but we also integrate that with so many other things. Yes, so you're not left alone just with a solution without a complete or, or a, a, a product without a complete solution. Yeah. And one day we'll, um, we'll discuss the different um, uh, ways to close and the pitch between uh, solutions and and uh, actual products. All right, so we um, we go through this, we attach the problems to the features, and we get their buy-in, and at that moment, miraculously, that feature becomes a benefit. Mm-hmm. Nobody buys features, they'll buy benefits. Benefits solve our problems or they help us reach our goals. It's the old drill bit makes the hole. I'm not like looking for a drill bit, I'm looking for the hole. Correct, exactly. do for me. <laughs> exactly so. All right, so we've gotten to that point and then now we have to close it. Well, Mark, we would love to do this for you. Yeah, here's, here's what we, here's our terms for this. Does that work for you? Yeah, and you notice that's a very soft close that I just did. Yeah, it, it's and if you do it right throughout the sales conversation, you do these little yeses. You get the little yeses on the problems. You get the little yeses on the applications. You get the little yeses on the um, 
on the features and the benefits. You get those agreement, agreement that, yeah, this would solve my problem, this would solve my problem. Then you're at the close, and it's going to be really awkward for them to say no because they've said yes all the way through. And so you go through the pricing. You say, do you understand how we got to the number here? Does that meet what you're thinking? Yes. All right, let's go through this section. Does that meet what you're thinking? Yes. All right, then, Mark, all we need here is an initial and a signature, and we're good to go. Mm -hmm. And then you shut up. We had uh, 14 of our event students going through a, a round one of the Novatech Cell Solution competition yesterday. Mm. And uh, one of the, the students, I don't know what she was thinking, but she just kept talking. And after um, her, her role play, the feedback from the judge was, you violated a cardinal rule. And the, the student goes, what? And I looked at the student, I said, you should talk past the close. Once you asked for the deal, shut up. Yeah, right. And she goes, I did, didn't I? She, she knew better. Yeah, knew better, but just but She was nervous and she's in the thing. Yeah. They did such a fantastic job. You would have been so incredibly proud of those students. Yeah. Oh, man, they're rock stars. So, that. Not all the bad habits. Oh, well, <laughs> well the, the nice thing. The rock star without the bad habits. Well, the, the great thing about ha having the sales lab here at the university they can make those mistakes because we all make mistakes in, in sales. They can make those mistakes and learn from them. Yeah, exactly. Before it becomes harmful. Listen to an interesting book right now that it kind of yeah. relates to this. Mm -hmm. uh, it's uh, written by an author that knew absolutely nothing about poker. Okay. But she thought it had some life lessons. And so she went and approached one of the best poker players in history and said, would you take me on as a mentor? And he's teaching her the strategy of poker, and then she's applying that to life lessons. And one of the things is, when you make a decision like that, you, you got to go all in. You're not going to make the right decision all the time, but shut up when you, you know, if you're in that yeah. situation, go, I think I've given you enough information. What do you think? Shut up. Similar to what she's talking about in that book. It's, it's a fascinating book. That's fantastic. And that is such a great lead into next week, because next week we will be discussing the importance of mentorship. Ah, okay. So, well done, sir. Find somebody that is a mentor, pick their brain, and become like them, and you too might enjoy the same success, right? There you go. Yeah, true indeed. Well, then we know what to look forward to next week on Drink Coffee and Make Friends. That's what salespeople do. We'll see you next week. This has been Drink Coffee, Make Friends. It's what salespeople do. A resource brought to you by Middle Tennessee's Jones College of Business's Center for Professional Selling with Tom Coates. I'm Mark Roberts.